Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil Ekelona, and this is Nashville. Jerome Moore is on a mission. That mission is social change. The native Nashvillian has created a platform that highlights the first step for change, conversations. Inviting people from all walks of life into his studio, Moore engages in creating connections and discussing solutions to the problem our city faces. That's what his podcast and web show, Deep Dish Conversations, is all about. Oh, and there's pizza. His process is working. He has a TV show on the Nashville Public Television, and he's a new author partnering with Vanderbilt University Press to publish a book of the memorable conversations from Deep Dish. Later this hour, we'll talk with the change agent about his life, his motivation, and discover what's next for him. But first, it's Election Day in Nashville. Since they opened at 7 a.m., voters are headed to the polls to pick new city leaders, most notably the mayor. And here to break down the ballot for us are two members of, the, of WPLN's news team. Nina Cardona is our morning host, and Rose Gilbert is our general assignment reporter. Rose and Nina, thank you for being here. Welcome back to This is Nashville. Thank you. All right, so, Rose, you've been out there at the polls this morning, first of all, where are you and are you remaining dry? <laughs> yes, I am in my car sheltering from the rainstorm, but more importantly, I am in the parking lot of the Cathedral of Praise, which is a polling spot and church in kind of north, northwest Nashville. All right. So what are you seeing and hearing out there? Yeah, so, uh, you know, rain puts a damper on anything, but there's been a steady stream of voters, especially as we get to people's lunch hour. Uh, people are getting off work, come here. Um, I spoke to a couple of the poll workers and they said that this polling location in particular is kind of a long time uh, voting location for a lot of people. Uh, it's a, a, it's a, they said an older community. This is a, a place where people come over and over again, not someplace with a lot of turnover, like say the polls over by Belmont. Um, although I did talk to one younger voter who says this is only her, only, only her second time voting, uh, Amaria Patton. Well, this is my second time voting, but I'm just here to get more familiar with my community and try to be involved and vote for the right people in council. Um, yeah, so Amaria was a little shy, but she was uh, took some time to talk with me, and um, she explained to me that this is actually a family tradition. Um, she was there with her mother, Tanja, her um, father, and her brother. And her mom, uh, Tanja, kind of explained that she felt it was really important to model voting for her kids. She brought her daughter and her son uh, with her to the polls. It's a, it's a tradition, and she, she needs to know what the history is of voting in the black community. So we, people die for this right to vote. So we want to make sure that our family gets out and vote every, every election, no matter what. And Tanja says she has still one daughter who's a senior in high school who's waiting to turn 18. Um, and then she'll officially have a full family of registered voters. A family affair. I love that, doing their civic duty. Now, you were out during early voting as well. How did that compare to today? I mean, I think uh, with early voting, especially I was there on the very first day down at the Howard building downtown, um, there were a lot of people who were, you know, 
uh, trying to get in as soon as possible. And also the folks who vote on the very first day of early voting are maybe extra super duper involved. Uh, so you had a lot of like, you know, little uh, pencil getters uh, out there. Um, and of course, uh, a lot of the folks I've run into today are also regular voters. Um, people who were, you know, maybe told me they needed a little bit more time to do some research, especially since the field of candidates is so crowded this year. All right, Rose, your connection's a little funky. We're going to work that out. But Nina, let's let's talk about what's on the ballot. All right. How about the mayor mayor's race? <laughs> well, it is an incredibly crowded field. There mm-hmm. are 11 candidates to choose from. And this hasn't been the kind of race where we can say, well, it's really just a couple of them. I mean, people have tried to say that, but they've also disagreed on which couple of candidates, you know, okay. so it's 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 incredibly crowded. It's a lot to sort through. All right. Let's go down the list. OK, well, there are the two state senators who are running for mayor, both Democrats. Jeff Yarbrough has been the minority leader in the state Senate. Heidi Campbell was a leader in the push to deal with the problems in the Department of Children's Services. Uh, then there are the Metro Council members who are looking for the mayor's office now. Uh in that group, we Sharon Hurt has brought a lot of focus to lifting up small businesses, particularly women and minority-owned ones. In his time on council, Freddie O'Connell has shown a lot of interest in transit and infrastructure improvements. And before she became tax assessor, Vivian Wilhoit was also on the council. She's been critical of some of the current council's moves, like giving the Republican National Convention the cold shoulder. She called that poking the bear as far as relations with the state government, which, you know, are GOP controlled are concerned. The other former office holder who's running for mayor is Fran Bush. She was on the Metro School Board and she was probably the loudest voice on that body to question the decision to have kids learn from home during Mm. the pandemic. She really wanted to get them back in schools. Then there are the mayoral candidates who've been in the political and public service world, but in a less public fashion. So Matt Wiltshire was the head of economic development for the city, and he has worked a lot in the area of housing as well. Alice Rowley was a staffer in Governor Bill Haslam's administration. She worked on the re-election campaign for another Republican, Senator Lamar Alexander. And beyond that, a few political newcomers round out the race. Bernie Cox and Stephanie Johnson are entrepreneurs. Natisha Brooks is a retired educator who describes herself as a Christian conservative constitutionalist. And I should also mention Jim Gingrich. He's the former COO of Alliance Bernstein. And you'll see his name on the ballot today, but he has dropped out of the race. So many candidates. <laughs> it, it is. But you know, that has increasingly just become the way of Nashville mayoral elections. I mean, it seems like... Every cycle, there are more and more, and it winnows out less and less and in just kind of a natural fashion during the campaign. It's basically become a given the last several times around that a mayoral race will be decided in a runoff. It looks certain that's going to happen this time. It's hard, though, because this time around, the various forums around the city just didn't really work like they have in the past to differentiate things between the candidates or make a different, definite front runners pull out ahead of the pack. Now, most of these candidates have answered questions from WPLN News on the big issues, and folks who are still trying to decide who to vote for can read all of that at WPLN.org. But it'll be interesting to see how things shake out today and who's going to go to the runoff. It, you know, it says something when so many people want to be mayor. Yeah, I guess that's a good thing. Okay, so beyond the mayor's race, what's on the ballot? Well, there's the vice mayor. And I know you did a deep dive into that race here on this show. And I'd encourage people to go back and listen to that. But basically, you can think of the vice mayor as like the local equivalent of the Speaker of the House or Senate. Um, We've got Jim Shulman, who moved into the vice mayor's role in 2018, and he's held it ever since. He has led the council 
while the city churned through three mayors in the past five years. And he's running in part on the idea that he provides an element of stability to, to be reelected. His challenger, Angie Henderson, is a council member, and she's seen how things run there now. And she has notes. She wants to do things a little differently to make sure that a wide variety of voices are included. Council seats are up for grabs too, right? Yes. And that's a very long list. Mm. <laughs> we have 40 members on the council. I'm not going to go through all of that. But depending on where you live, there's a district council raise and then the county as a whole picks five at-large members. And there are also, I should note, two special elections that some people will be voting in to fill seats in the state legislature. Those will show up on ballots in just the handful of applicable precincts. So this is to decide if Justin Jones will permanently keep his seat in the state house. Of course, he's one of the Tennessee three mm -hmm. who were expelled. He was expelled uh, and then temporarily brought back into the legislature. But this makes it official if he wins over his Republican challenger today. And then we've got primaries to seat, fill the seat of Representative Bill Beck, who died suddenly of a heart attack in June. Mm -hmm. So when you look at today's ballot as a whole, what would you say is at stake? I mean, Nashville's in a really interesting moment. I have lived here most of my life, and I can honestly say that I don't ever remember seeing the relationship between the city and the state be anywhere near as strained as it is right now. I mean, we're in the middle of multiple lawsuits between Nashville and the state of Tennessee, and whoever voters pick today and in next month's mayoral runoff, that's essentially the team that's going to pick the strategy and the approach for the city side of what has become this very high stakes back and forth. And then these are also the leaders who's going to, who are going to make the choices as the East Bank redevelopment plan starts to transition from a big idea to a detailed plan. Same for rebuilding Second Avenue. They're going to be the ones deciding whether to redevelop the fairground speedway and of course, the perpetually urgent issues, transit, homelessness, affordable housing, policing, things like that. And who knows what surprises may be in store? Because, I mean, if you think about it, four years ago, our current mayor, John Cooper, ran on a platform that was designed for a Nashville that only kind of exists now. Mm. I mean, we had a tornado, a pandemic, a budget crisis, a bombing downtown, a school shooting. Hopefully things are going to be a lot calmer for the next mayor, hopefully, <laughs> whoever it turns out to be. But one way or another, there will be curveballs. And so today it's our job as voters to pick who we think will be able to pivot and provide the leadership the city needs, whatever surprises come along. Go out there in the rain and make it happen. So, yeah. Rose and Nina, I have to ask you, have you voted yet? Later today. <laughs> headed out right now. Yeah. <laughs> it is a tradition. I always vote on election day with my husband. And now we love having our 21-year-old son's going to be going with us today as well. So you've got a family affair as well. Yeah. And we always see familiar faces running our local poll. Uh, Khalil, how about you? No, I will be doing that later on today as well before the polls close at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Okay. And then we've got some special newscasts tonight after that on WPLN. Rose Gilbert is WPLN's general assignment reporter. And Nina Cardona is the local host of Morning Edition. Thanks to you both for being here. And happy Election Day. Thank you. We have to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk with podcast host Jerome Moore about his show, Deep Dish Conversations, and why he dedicated himself to creating social change. Are you a fan of Deep Dish Conversations? Tell us about it and tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil Ekelona, and this 
is Nashville. My guest today is a rising voice in the arena of social change, whose work is shaped by his roots and sense of identity. Jerome Moore grew up in North Nashville, where he saw firsthand the inequalities of our nation and city. So he set himself on the path to do something about it. After spending time overseas serving in the Peace Corps, he came back to his hometown to engage with people in the two things human do most, talk and eat. He created the podcast web, web show, Deep Dish Conversations, where he sits with political leaders, organizers, activists, artists, and many others. They talk about social change while enjoying a slice of pizza. He expanded his platform to on the flat screen and in print, creating the show A Slice of Nashville in collaboration with Nashville Public Television, and he's authored his first book with Vanderbilt University Press. Where does he see social change in Nashville? Well, he joins me now, Jerome Moore. Welcome to This Is Nashville. Look, I appreciate it, Khalil. Man. I'm excited. I'm, re- I'm really excited about this. This is Nashville. I'm from Nashville. Uh, I'm ready to get this thing rocking, man. Oh, let's do I, it. I'm ready to get this I, thing rocking. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, man, I'm so happy to have you here. So, you know, I've just described you as this agent of social change. But looking at our city, state, yeah. country, it's kind of the culture war being waged right now. Do you see yourself as a warrior for social change. Yeah, I, I'm a warrior, but also just an explorer of social change because I don't have all the answers, right? And I don't go into these conversations or when I would think about these things, well, I know everything, right? I know I have blind spots. I have my own implicit biases that I have to recognize and learn from, but that's what exploring helps me do. I think it helps everyone does, right? It gets that diverse perspective so you can have these conversations, but also it keeps you open-minded, right? And I think where we are as a city and, a, and we are as a state, it's easy to maybe be pressured to be boxed in into thinking one way, leaning one way, when we really should all kind of be exploring so we can develop our own kind of authentic thoughts. But also you can develop empathy. You can develop uh, personal growth and all these other things that come from intentionally exploring different perspectives, different communities, different humanities, different people. And so that's what I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm exploring social change and I'm, I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> now, yes. Yeah, OK, so you're exploring social change. Yeah, you're traversing sure. new grounds of connection with other people, particularly mm-hmm. here in Nashville and Tennessee. Yep. And we have to say a lot of the issues, we have, we have an election going on right now, and a lot of things are highly politicized. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're kind of distracting yeah. from the common struggle you were just alluding to right. that we all go through and right. the, the things that we're subjected to. How, how do you mm-hmm. navigate these things? How do you navigate the areas of social change, the desires for change, yet right. at the same time really confronting, like you said, yeah. your own internal biases to learn? Yeah, I think it's that always being a consistent learner, right? Of course, I'm going to have my own perspective on particular issues, right? Um, And I think they can change depending on where you are in your journey in life as a human being, right? You know, from a 20-year-old to a 40-year-old, you're probably going to look at the same topics differently depending on where you are in life. And Mm -hmm. that's that's okay, right? Um, So for me, I try to just stay focused on that. Try to stay focused on listening to other people, whether it may be community members, experts, uh, journalists, uh, this is Nashville, or whatever it may be, right? And and developing as best as I can my own understanding of what's going on and really exploring all those other options and then coming up with a decision. Not to say my decision is going to be the best, the right one, the perfect one. It is what it is, but I think that's... That's what I would encourage people to do is explore all the options and and get outside your own silo or community bubble where most people probably are thinking like you think. And I don't know um, if we solve issues, right, 
thinking the same way, maybe that the, the, the how the issues were created, thinking that way. I think mm-hmm. we have to think a little differently than how the issues were created. And so that's my approach. And uh, I just kind of, you know, I, my lane and kind of how I do that is a little differently because I intentionally give them that space. And everybody's not thinking about social change every day, right? But I think everybody can play a part. And for me, it starts in your everyday community. Every, and, every day, yeah, it's all in the everyday community. And, and and I think the most important thing, if I could if I could say one of the most important thing about how I look at this and social change is, is always keeping it solution-based, mm. right? I think it's easy to criticize. It's easy to point out what somebody isn't doing right. It's easy to say, man, if I was in the ball game, I would have hit a home run or would have did a 360, right? I think that's really low-hanging fruit, but I think if we can think solution-based and have those discussions regardless on what kind of political spectrum that you're on, I think we can figure out the answers to combat these social constructs that we all are affected by on different levels. Solutions-based conversations and discussions. That is the essence of yes, deep dish conversations. Yep. Where did you come up with the idea to do that? Tell me about how it was created. <laughs> oh, man. Like, we got to go back abroad. Okay. Like, I know I know you mentioned my Peace Corps service. And for me, that's where it started as far as, you know, dipping my feet in those abroad waters and really getting a sense of like exploring, right? First time leaving the United States, living abroad and really immersing myself in a different community that I didn't speak the language, I wasn't familiar with. I was just here to to do community economic development. And for me, that's where it all started. And it took me from there to Costa Rica. And the China is where I would say is the real catalyst of where I said, okay, there's a void out there of when it comes to solution-based projects and media uh, being amplified, right? We always hear about the the issues, the challenges. What are we going to do? But I didn't see the amplification of the people that I see every day, including myself, that was actually doing the work to solve these things that people are always talking about. So for me, that's when I said, okay, let me talk to all of these different people that I'm living amongst in China, right? Mm-hmm. That's from all across the world to figure out what is their perspective on social change. And, and I learned that <laughs> like different cultures are looking at these things differently, right? And that's what really made me explore because I think my American them, my Americanism, um, even my blackness to a to a degree made me think, well, if you look like me, maybe our issues uh are in proximity to one another. Maybe you care about policing too. Maybe you care about whiteness, whatever it may be, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not the case, right? Depending on where you are. So that was just really fascinating to me. I said, wow, like I really need to explore more. But coming back home, I don't think I knew much more about my city than like as I thought because I didn't ever explore it. I was in my own black bubble growing up here. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know as much. So I was intentionally creating out of space just for myself, but also for others to explore what other community members are going through, but also how they solving these issues and how can we build power together as a city. So when you got back, mm-hmm. you said to yourself, I want to make this, I'm going to start exploring and create this show. For sure. Definitely. Like, like, who'd you talk to? How, who were I the first steps? It. I was just done it. I, I wrote a, I wrote a proposal. So when I came back, I started, um, got back into the community organizing with Noah. Right. And then I just wrote a proposal to, uh, Geno's East Pisa and say, Hey, this is what I like to do. I like to use a facility, your space to do this. That was like, cool. Perfect. And then the pandemic happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I came back from China in October, right, right, almost going into November of 20, 2019. Pandemic okay. hit China in, in, in 2019 to December. Yeah. Then it hit us in that March of 2020 here. So I was like, man, I dodged it in China, but it caught me on the back end when I got back to Nashville. <laughs> Pandemic's fast, yeah, the man. Yeah, pandemic, pandemic's happening fast, right? And it's still not, it's still not over. It's mm-hmm. still, still going on, right? Mm-hmm. And so... um 
during that time, like it, it was the timing. It was just perfect, man. Like, like in a weird way, it was perfect for what I was doing because maybe if it would have happened at a different time, maybe it wouldn't hit the same because we had the pandemic. Geno's East wasn't open. I could use the space, uh-huh. right? Uh, right. They sponsored everything, the piece of the space. So I was able to use that. And I was able to tell guests comfortably, hey, we'll be the only ones in the restaurant you know, we can mask up and then we can take them off for the conversation, right? We can do all these things in safe proximity to make sure everybody's safe and healthy during this pandemic. And then also during that summer, right, we had this racial reckoning with with George Floyd and everything, right? So people were trying to figure out, like, what social change is, what does this mean, how can I be a part of the solution? And so as all this is going on, I'm in the creation of Deep Dish Conversations and it just, the time it just just took off for me. Uh, but also, you know, I, I've been doing this work for 10 plus years, mm-hmm. like boots on the ground, Actually doing community projects and solving these things, just not here in Nashville, but across the world, actually. And so uh, I'm a literal explorer in every sense of the way, but also, like, I really care about this work, and this is the only work I've ever done. All right, so you have this desire for exploration of social change, and Definitely. Deep, deep dish oven, deep dish conversations is in the oven, yeah, so to it's, speak. It's baking, cooking, it's baking, cooking, yeah. it's making it happen. And you have these guests from right. seemingly every corner. Yeah. Of the city, you, mm-hmm. you speak to mayoral candidates and that uh, for today's election. Yep. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But I'm curious, like, how do you go about selecting yeah. the guests for your show? Talk to me about that it's process. A, it's a really low bar, right? If okay. you're trying to create some type of social change that can positively affect our community, you can be a guest on the show. Wow. Yeah, that's it. Like, I don't, I don't, me, myself, personally, I don't get into positions or titles or anything like that. Like, we all can play a role. We all should play a role when it comes to impacting our community. And uh, we might not always agree on how we might want to do that, but we can talk about that, right? Uh, One of the, like, I guess one of the buzz words or buzz topics when we talk about social change is policing, mm-hmm. right? Everybody, you know, She's policing a little differently. Might want a community policing. Don't you know? That's that's different. But that doesn't mean I can't sit down and talk to a police officer or somebody that's an advocate of um, maybe a abolishment of policing or something like that to figure out alternative solutions or how they feel their perspective on that on that particular um, alternative can best serve our community. And so, as long as you're trying to make a positive impact in a healthy way, um, you can be a guest on Deep Dish Conversations. And I, you know, I encourage everybody to come and talk to me because I'm exploring and I'm still learning. Again, mm. I don't, I, I don't have all the answers, but like, yeah, and I, I don't have no agenda. I'm not trying to get you from the right side, the left side, the middle, whatever. Like, if you're trying to create a positive impact when it comes to social change, let's talk. I can imagine the list yeah, to be crazy. on that show is pretty it's, long. I, I got like. This last week, I had thirty-five guest requests. Thirty-five guest requests. Yeah. Okay, so give me, one, <laughs> give me, give me one of the wildest pitches you have been sent from a guest. You can keep specific names out, but what is something that made you say, "Oh, wow, this is pretty nuts"? Well, I had, I had somebody. They had like a button company. This was like a while, but they had like a button company, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool, like. Like what? Like what? What is your? What do you want to like talk about when it comes to, like the buttons? Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out like how is this incorporates with what I like what we do as far as social change and like like solution based discussions, right? And they just want to like kind of highlight their their buttons and how they put faces on them and shiny and just said you need to have me on there and I was like ah okay <laughs> but that but but like that also helped me realize like like. Give me even more clear about like 
about making sure I, I crystallize and articulate like who this show is for, right? Mm-hmm. It's not if you're a musician, it's not to come talk about your discography and like you know what your next album coming out. Like, like but if you want to talk about how your music is impacting community and hopefully influencing, like we can talk about that portion. So being able to be crystal clear about that and also that just keeps the fairness and everybody sees that. Mm-hmm. So now I don't get too much of those kind of wow, like I just kind of want to be on here to promote some yeah. type of guest request. So, but you got to be clear about those things up front because once you let one one or two do oh, it, they're all coming. it's all coming. And yeah. So yeah, and so yeah, so so but that's the bar, and so that, that I try to keep it, you know, real real simple, but also open to everybody on any type of level where they may be in community. So speaking about that, you know, you you have guests from all political views, mm-hmm. and you stand up for the facts as well. Let's listen to a little bit of your conversation with mayoral candidate Alice Rowley. There's a lot of components, right? Just sticking on public safety. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, we have criminalizing this state in general, right? We have criminalized homelessness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 30% of those incarcerated have a mental illness, yeah. right? Yeah. And so as potentially as potential mayor, what are resources or what are things that we can do to combat or address things on the front end so police don't have to deal with it? Because I don't think it's a, yeah. necessarily a policing issue. They just end up yeah. doing the job, right? Yeah, no, you're right. There are, um, I think that we know there are, roughly 180 individuals in Davidson County, to your point, who, given their mental health condition, are in this in-between place. Okay, so if you want to hear the rest of Rolly's answer, just look up Deep Dish Conversations. You can find that on podcast platforms and on YouTube. But Jerome, you know, you you decide what facts and what parts of your own point of view you want to bring into conversations like these. How do you do that? Yeah, I think it's, it depends on the guest, right? I think um, sometimes there's narratives. Um, sometimes there's things that um, like that I'm just interested in and kind of want to just get their own approach and their perspective on whatever stats or facts that may come up, especially if they're going to be in some type of position of, uh, of decision-making, mm-hmm. you know, or have decision-making power, right? Um, I think it's clear for us to understand kind of where our um, – community leaders are or feel about these particular things and so i try to explore that and sometimes you know um it goes really great and they're on board and sometimes they have a whole different response to something that's like hey these are the facts or maybe they look at it different than me but that's that's the whole point right it's to create a brave space to have that that conversation and maybe sometimes at a disagreement and carry on and still be able to have a civil relationship and civil conversation at the end of the day. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville and I'm your host, Khalil Colonna. We're talking this hour with Jerome Moore, the author, TV producer and creator of Deep Dish Conversations. You can tweet us your comments at this is Nashville. Now you grew up here in North Nashville. What yep. was what was the city like as for you growing up as a boy becoming a young man in it this was, town, it was black. <laughs> like for me, because I was in my like, I'm, like this is this is really funny because we know Nashville uh, uh, is shifting uh, when it comes to diverse diversity uh, over time, right? It'll be no leading uh, kind of ethnicity. It'd be 33, 33, 33, right? Mm-hmm. But growing up here, like we know, like it was super majority white, kind of still how it is today. But growing up. Um, in my black bubble in North Nashville, which my, my both of my parents also grew, my pretty much my whole family is like North Nashville, right? And so I didn't realize kind of just like how white it really was. Right? I'm thinking everything around me is black. My church is black. My grocery store is black. All the schools, 99.9% black, right? And so that's what I that's what I thought it was, right? Growing up, and you know I grew up low middle class, right? Um, 
middle class in some parts in life, it fluctuated. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> it fluctuated. That but good job yeah, of the raise. Yeah, yeah, exactly, gotcha there. exactly. Shout out to my mom and my daddy. But um, they, you know, but it was, but it was, it was fun. You know, I had fun growing up here, right? And I, you know, as a kid, you know, you don't, you don't have the. Uh, the outlook, or you're not looking at things from, especially from like a social change perspective. A lot, you just enjoying life and enjoying what's in front of you. But as I got older and started getting into this work, I started realizing, like, oh wow, like this city is like very anti-black in a lot of ways too, as well, right? I mean, you hear about the history, you hear about Jubilee Singers, the Freedom Riders, you hear about Mahari Tish, you hear we have all this blackness, but then you hear about the interstate they went mm-hmm. through, right? You So you hear about all these things and you start conceptualize different ideas and you start to learn about just who you are as an Nashvillian and as a as a black person um, for myself. And, and you know, you, you kind of take that and you harness that, but you take that into the world with you. And so I took that into the world with me and I, it just helped me learn as I traveled around the world about myself, but also about my city. And I always, I'm a rep Nashville forever, 615 forever. Mm-hmm. But I also know like my city's not perfect. We got some, you know, we've neglected some things historically. Uh, we still need to work on some things now. Um, and, you know, now, and hopefully whoever our next mayor is can help rectify some of those things and combat some of those things um, as we move forward. We're trying to move forward as a city. Now, full disclosure, uh, you and I know each other. We talked many yep. times before, so this is really fantastic yeah, and lovely yeah. to have you here as a guest on the show. But you said something in one of our conversations. You said Nashville is diversely segregated. Yeah, that's my term. It's diversely segregated, for sure. I need to put on the T-shirt, actually. Um, a button? Yeah, a button. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Shout out to the button guy. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's diversely segregated. If you look at Nashville, like, we we can still, we, we, you there's a lot of diversity here, but everybody's still in their own little pockets, right? Mm-hmm. The Latinx community, API community, black, white community. Like, we all, like, we still very, very, very segregated here. And that may just be due to the South and segregation and slavery and all these things that we know just existed here. But, yeah, we, we diversely segregated. And I don't try to fake the funk when it comes to that. Like, you know, we I call that out like it is. Um, but like we, we, we can possibly, we can change that, you know, maybe, but that takes some exploring. Mm-hmm. It takes to intentionally get out and talk to these other community members and figure out how can we, you know, build power together and build relationships. Right. And understand what each other are going through, um, uh, from our own kind of lenses and build the empathy by exploring and understanding different perspectives. What's interesting to me is that you have that perspective. I mean, seeing that you, that you've lived in Costa Rica, Paraguay, <laughs> yeah. China, yeah. you know, so you've lived in other places. You come back to your hometown. Mm-hmm. that is now diversely segregated. How, yeah. you know, it's something I haven't experienced yet. And uh, I know a lot of Americans, African-Americans and people who specifically have lived in other countries over a period of time, more mm-hmm. so than just kind of visited for three weeks. Yeah. You live there, you ate yeah. the food, yeah. you experience the cultures. They say something is different. The common thread is that they kind of, how they view themselves, yeah. how they relate away from the American definition of what it means to be a black person. Sure. What did you recognize in terms of your identity when you lived overseas? Yeah. And how did that affect your view of things when you got back to your hometown? Yeah, um, definitely. It's like it's like going overseas and being a, a like especially a black American, African American is different in a many ways from being um a black um Ghanaian or black Nigerian. It's 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 a little different. We get a little we get a, some we get some privilege, American privilege mm-hmm. that we don't get here in the United States, which wow. is which is crazy, right? But it's like a rarity. It's like like it's like they it's like it's like they don't think you exist, right? But then you get even deeper when we may talk to a Ghanaian brother or sister, right? Uh or from Uganda, wherever it may be on the continent of Africa. 
right? It's like their their black experience is totally different than ours, right? And that's what really shocked me a lot and let me learn more about my blackness. It's like, oh, you're not going through the same things or care about the same social issues that I care about, and we we'll both black. And those are things that you can't read in a book. Mm-hmm. You have to explore. You have to go travel if you have the opportunity. And I encourage everybody to go travel. So coming back home gave me a whole different perspective on life. Like, it just... It just opened my mind up to a whole different realm of thinking about things and thinking about humanities, which I think, you know, that's why I'm so curious, which I think you can hear when I do these interviews and when I talk to people. Um, And I just don't allow myself to be boxed in. And I think a lot of that is just due to being able to have that really true immersion experience and living in different countries. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jerome Moore and talk about his new TV show and book and what he envisions for the future. Join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil Lake Colonna, and this is Nashville. We've been talking with Jerome Moore, the creator and host of Deep Dish Conversations, a podcast and web show that features people from all over Nashville as they engage in conversations about social change and sometimes pizza. Recently, Moore has expanded his platform and embarked in the world of television and print. His first book, titled Deep Dish Conversations, was released earlier this summer, and his TV show, A Slice of Nashville, debuted on Nashville Public Television at the same time. What does the future hold for him and Nashville? Jerome Moore, thank you for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Nah, thank you. Look, the TV show, A Slice of the Community. A Slice of the Community. Yeah, My A Slice bad. of the Community. Nah, nah, it's all good. It's all good. I just want to make sure everybody clear on that name, mad at me. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you got to be sure about yeah, that. Yeah, you got to be sure about that. All right, before we get back to talking, we did get a tweet. We okay. got a tweet at This Is Nashville from Davey Tucker who says, quote, I didn't get a slice of pizza, end quote. <laughs> hey, uh, Davey understands and knows why he didn't get a slice of pizza uh, Dave, I ain't gonna even, I ain't gonna even put you out on blast like that, like you try to put me out. But he knows. But but not nah, if y'all not tapped into David Tucker though, he's 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 just a powerful uh, community leader here, pastor, organizing. So David, shout out to you. Um, and the work that you're doing, but um, maybe, maybe I get you a piece of one day. Get him a you slice. Know, may, maybe I get you a slice or two. I don't know. We got to get him a slice. <laughs> now, you know, we got the mayoral election happening yep. right now. Mm-hmm. You took time to talk to the candidates. I did. I just want to ask you your overall impressions of the field. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I think it's it's a tough field. I think I think it's honestly a tough field, and I, like we're gonna we're gonna keep it all the way uh, a buck on here. This mm-hmm. is Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm gonna tell you how I how I measured like who I voted for, right? I'm gonna tell you how how I measured just people in general when I come to these things. One, I like to meet them. I like to feel like just this not what they're saying. Their energy, yeah. right? Like how how you are in just every day you routine, right? Secondly, have I seen you before as a person that's committed to community? Like, if I haven't seen you before or have I heard about what you was doing before, like, like is what you're doing during a campaign, is that authentic? Mm. You know, or is it just for the campaign and then you'll go back to kind of doing whatever you was doing? Um, if you wasn't running for mayor or any um, elected office, would you still be doing this work? Would you still be out here in the community? 
You know, so these are the questions that I ask myself um, when I'm thinking about who I'm going to vote for. Um, and also just their history, what, you know, if they have been in an elected uh, office before, kind of what have they voted on, kind of how transparent they have been, because I think that's some type of uh, inclination of what they'll do if they're elected mayor. And so that's how, that's how I take those things. And, like, you know, um, I know it's been hard with, like, a thousand forms, and it's 11, 12, a lot, th- a lot of them, right? So... I think kind of having the conversations like we do in that long form way where you can really take a deep dive and talk to them for an hour, hour and 15 minutes are the best way, I think, to really evaluate these candidates. Um, so if you haven't, you know, tune in to Deep Dish Conversations. This is Nashville as well to listen to those long form conversations to really find out those things. And I think an easy trick is go to their website. You know, those you can find real easy red flags just based off what they don't have and do have on their red site. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, if you if you care about transit and they don't have transit on their website, it's a red flag. Yeah. If you care about combating anti-blackness or something like that, if they don't have that on their website as a priority, like maybe you should. That's an opportunity for you to ask them a question about that. You know, you know, discussing community change on your show means that bringing up very difficult sometimes. Difficult personal things. Yeah, for I sure. Wanna, I want to play a little bit from your conversation with Chef Star May, the executive chef at Anise Blue in Hillsborough Village. She talks about working long hours mm-hmm. in her first restaurant jobs and the effect it had on her and her son. You know, I, I was a single mother, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, trying to raise a child and work 90 hours a week. How you do that? Crappy mom. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. You can't be the best that you want to be because... Right. You got to feed them, you got to clothe them, you got to right. give them where they got to go. So it was like a catch-22. I tell you, my, my son was raised in a restaurant. Like, I would have servers tip my baby out for feeling like sugar caddies or right. salt and pepper shakers. So wow. he grew up he grew up in the business, too. Like, five or six years old, standing on milk crate washing dishes. Like, <laughs> you got to work, too. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so bad. At one point, I worked so much that the school bus driver would literally drop my son off at my job. Wow. They <laughs> yeah. already knew. We're just, just going to drop you yeah. off. Yeah. I, I go have a conversation with him before school even started. I'm like, look, I know that this ain't on your route. How long or, were you doing that? About 15 years or so. You My son's a 20-year-old, 21-year-old man now. Wow. Yeah. That's what, that's what happens when you have a deep dish conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's the humanities of it, right? We Like, we all had our own unique experiences which shapes our perspective, right? And if we don't ever, like, have a, a conversation about that, right, how do we know where these kind of perspectives are coming from, right? But that's also about being curious and allowing people to be them brave, them their brave self and have these conversations. So shout out to the Chef Star May. She's amazing. Her food is amazing. But, uh... I love it. I, I just I love learning about those things again. I'm exploring. I didn't. I don't. I didn't. That was the first time me and her has had a, a sit down conversation like that. Mm-hmm. Like period. And so from that conversation, now we can we can we we're building. We've talked plenty more. But like finding out that like you know she's a she has a felony. Who would have thought? Yeah. You know, in a in a weird way, done 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 prison time, right? Yeah. And so those type of things. Um, I, I think I just I just love I love diving deep, but I love you more people feeling comfortable to share those things to open up. But that's it. You you have to create the environment yeah. for people to yeah. open up and discuss some of these very difficult, very personal things that other folks may try to j- attempt to judge them on. How do you go about creating that environment when you're talking with folks? Man, not being adversarial. Mm. Not being adversarial, going in with no kind of like preconceived notions about a person. Like I'm no better than any other guest that I'm sitting across from. They come, they're giving me their time. 
to come to speak to me with a, like so I thank them right um and so the least I can do is 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 provide a space where they can be themselves they can be brave they can be comfortable um and I don't do no curveball questions I'm not here to like make a viral moment I'm not here to to make a headline I'm here to really take a deep dive into who you are and what you think about social change and what you believe we can do to solve these issues these social constructs that we all affected by on certain levels so um yeah I, and I just be myself I'm not trying to be nothing that I'm not you know and again like I, I'm just being curious and I'm exploring and I'm just I'm I'm letting it go as far as the guests are letting me go. I mean, these days that's kind of revolutionary in the middle media space being authentic. <laughs> yeah. You know, do you see like, like a lack of it's authenticity? A no, out it's there? a void. Man, it's it's a it's a it's a void of authenticity. It's a void of exploring. It's a void of really amplification of solution based discussions. Like, and it's and it's ridiculous. But that's why I think. Shows like this one, shows like mine, and and, and a few others um, that really like take time to be authentic and let people be themselves, but also really open up the conversation um, to when you're talking about social change and what can we do to combat these things, like a, a more critical than ever. Um, and they don't have to be sensationalized celebrity people that's, that's guiding these things, right? And I think that's one of my pet peeves mm. that I'm really like, it's, it's a pet peeve of mine. But when I see or when I know, like, there may be somebody that's conducting or moderating a conversation about social change, but that's not the life that they live nah. on any type of way, form, or fashion. So I think that's not, that's, it's disingenuous. It's not authentic at all. Right. You know, and so and they doing it maybe because they got a name, which is fine. But that's not like this is serious business. This is people that really have done this. These are for people's years. lives. right? Yeah. And so like to to try to commercialize it in that way. Like and so that's why I have a range of guests, too. That's why I like like it's going to be I don't care if you you picking up trash uh, with your hand and you doing that to create a, a cleaner community because we know cleaner communities mean safer communities. You can be on the show. Like you, you can work a nine to five. Like, and that's why, like, I want to keep it rooted in that for myself and the grassroots. And like, yeah, so it's a void of that. It's definitely a void of that. And that that that's that that's a void that, like you said, you you are filling, and mm -hmm. that's what we're attempting to fill. Yeah. But you also build, you know, you build trust with your audience when you yeah. are authentic, genuine, and for you sure, sure. see the humanity in other people. You know, why is it mm -hmm. so important? for you to build that trust yeah. with your audience members. Yeah. I think I think it's important because um you know, they taking out their time or their day to to hear, watch and and, and, and be engaged with me. So the 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 one thing I have to do, right, is be honest. Right? The one thing I have to do is 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 be fair and make sure that I'm really intentionally trying to explore all the voices of social change that are possible, right? And I think that's only fair by community. Now, like, and and that's what I and that's what I and that's what I market. Like, that's what that's what I advocate. And so, for me to do anything different, it'd be distrustful. Why would they believe me? But you know, for some reason, for some odd reason, pe people 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 trust me. People want to open up. People want to come on the show, and I appreciate that. And I'm truly and I'm truly grateful um, because. I don't, again, I'm not an expert in, in quote-unquote social change. I've done the work, and I'm continuing to do the work, but it's a revolving door. I'm always wanting to do this work and learn. And so when the when I'm talking to you or another guest, well, I'm learning. I don't come in with all the answers. I don't even, I just come in with my perspective based on my lived experience and the things I've done, and I run with that. But I want to I, I wanna be taught something different, too. I want to have a, I want to go into a conversation like, wow, I never thought about that. Let me, let me marinate on that. And again, 
not being adversarial, not saying, oh, my way is better than your way, right? Because I did, I think you 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 jumping off a cliff with that. And again, in this space, it's really easy to do that. It's really easy to criticize. And if people can just stop doing that and not be judgmental. People are trying. Now, I'm going to give you a hand clap for trying. If you're yeah. trying to create some type of social change in your community, you get a hand clap for me because there are people that are not trying. And these those be the same ones a lot of times. They got a whole lot of tweets, you know, a whole lot of posts. But like a whole lot of memes, but like, are you trying? And so anybody out there is trying to make change in their community, I applaud you. But I always tell people, you know, you got to start with yourself, your community, then the world. Let's talk about your book. Yep. Deep Dish Conversations. You know, I had the honor and privilege of discussing it with you when yeah, it was you released. You it was did. a blast. You know, thank you again. You blessed for, it. Thank for, you. For, for thinking you. of me for doing that. But how did you decide what conversations you wanted to include in the book? It was hard. It was tough. I bet. And, and know why it was hard? Because I was having more conversations as I was writing the book. Okay. And so, <laughs> so it was new, new conversations happening while I was trying to go through these 13 ones that I picked. And so it was tough. But I tried to um, be intentional about kind of wanting people to explore different voices, making sure everybody in the book didn't have the same perspective uh, on the same topic, making sure like, hey, there's different approaches that people feel that all live in this city. They are all doing great work, but they're doing it in different ways. I mean, you had a lot of different folks. You had comedian Josh Black, who's been yep. on the show. You had uh, uh, anti-racism educator Tim Wise, who's yep. been on the show. Mm-hmm. And you had Will Acuff from yep. Corner to Corner, the yep. former CEO and yep. executive director of Corner to Corner. You yep. had a variety of voices. Were you ever on the fence with a decision of somebody to include? Oh, uh, I was on the fence the whole time because you don't want to leave. If I could, I would put everybody in. But we talking about encyclopedia. Yeah, you talk, you talking about encyclopedia. You talking about, at that point, I think I had over like at least over a hundred episodes at the time. You gotta think about the you gotta think about the workload. Like I only been doing this since twenty twenty, and at that time, in twenty, I, I I was averaging like. Psh, two or three episodes a week. So I was like, at the end of the year, I had like 70. Like, it was crazy. The numbers were ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. But that's how, like, that's how passionate I was about it, about how much I cared. But I wasn't even thinking about a book. I wasn't, you know, I was thinking about, let me, I want to do this work. Like, let me, type of impact I can have. Uh, So it was definitely tough. But, I, you know, shout out to everybody that was in the book, all the guests I've ever had. Like, couldn't have been possible without community. And I always try to bring community with me, whatever I do. You also have the show, A yep. Slice of Community, yep. that you produce with Nashville Public Television. How is that different from what you're doing on Deep Dish? And it's on PBS. <laughs> <laughs> we going national, baby. Nah. <laughs> nah. But uh, it's, 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 a, it's a little different, I think, when you're on camera. Um, just in general, and you you have guests, and you you, you know you you even more confined to the time and things. So it's a little different format, but at the same time, like it's a it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's not as raw as deep dish conversations, just because of like the system, the PBS system. But it's like it's the same approach, cons- creating consistent uh, space where we can talk about solution based. Uh, ideas, projects, and have solution-based discussions to solve these social constructs, right? And having guests on that bring a different perspective. Um, and it's more geared to like Middle Tennessee, right? That Middle Tennessee area and talking about, hey, how can we make better communities? What we can do, but hopefully inspire and encourage the listeners and the watchers to be engaged and do something in their community. 
So what's up for the future? Will you stay in Nashville? Take oh, your yeah. message I'm, national or global? Look, we're going global. First of all, I'm already global. Let's let we yeah, I'm, yeah. I've been global. You know what I'm saying? I've been global. But most definitely like Nashville, I'm a I'm gonna carry Nashville wherever I go, right? I'm always and want to be a representative of Nashville. I'm a product of Nashville, right? But I'm definitely going global. I think like social change is global, and that's what I learned from my travels. And so doing it here first and starting home was essential to me. Right. You know, in doing that and, and getting something developed here and starting a digital publication of Deep Disc Conversations here that's geared towards specifically Nashville and Middle Tennessee area. Um, and then building that out and then taking it global to other parts of the country and other parts of the world. And so just imagine like a mixture of like uh, Anthony Bourdain and Mike Rowe with Dirty Jobs and then just send it around community and social change and put me in it. Who's flyer, who's just, you know, saying more dynamic, you know, and black. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and so and putting that out there in the universe uh, for what to do. But I just for me, it's just crucial to bring community and whatever I do um, and, and explore the world. You know, and I again, I encourage anybody that can explore the world, whether it's going to another county, another city, another state, wherever they is, another province, whatever it is like that's essential. And that's that's why I say I'm an explorer, because for me, like social change is always going to be there. But people to explore it in a different way, to get garner different perspectives is equally as important. And so, and that's what, that's, that's me. And that's why, you know, I just, I can't be in a box. I'm too much of an explorer. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a go off to, I'm a, I'm a go explore something. Trust me. All right. To, to wrap this up, I want to come back around to where we started a little bit. You, some people can't bring themselves to have the conversation with others because of beliefs, views, stances, yeah. and you know, things ain't going to change until we can have conversation first. Right. How do you advise we, the yeah. people to bring ourselves to be able to talk to others about the sensitive topics and serious issues while honoring each other's humanity. We got just about a minute. Listen, don't talk. Just listen. Like sometimes like, like it's, it's a difference of like, of, of doing nothing and staying still. Right. There's a difference, right? Sometimes listening is just you staying still. You know, you're, you, you're respecting somebody's opinion. You're respecting somebody's perspective. And you don't have to say you don't agree. Just listen and, and digest that. And I guarantee you, if you just listen to people's ideas and not going there already trying to be combative, like community be stronger, but their relationship um, can also be stronger. And not saying that you're going to build and, and do great things to get on everything, but just listen to people um, and just respect their life experiences um, as long as they're being respectful to yours. Now, you got some people, I think, who just going to be maybe extreme one way or another, but that's that's life. But just be respectful and listen. Jerome Moore is the host of Deep Dish Conversations and A Slice of Community and the author of Deep Dish Conversations, Voices of Social Change in Nashville. You know, a lot of times they say the genuine energy really... Um, engenders a wonderful vibe. I have to tell the listeners, Studio A at Nashville Public Radio is glowing. Uh, Jerome, <laughs> it's been an honor, my friend. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, thank you, and I appreciate everything that y'all doing. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Char Daston. Our senior producer is Steve Harouche. Michaela Elias is our technical director. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other. <laughs>